Hello and welcome to R3 Sense, a podcast celebrating the finest video games of the last 30 years. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined, as always, by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Surfing USA. And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. Welcome to you all and hello. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week we have our number 87s, but before we do that, it is time for... The quiz gauntlet. Yes, here we go. In honour of Reggie Fils-Aimé's retirement, are your bodies ready? My body is ready. (laughs) I am also ready in my body area. Excellent. This is question 14. In Mortal Kombat, the final boss was the evil Shang Tsung. But can you name the four-armed monster you needed to beat before him? Goro. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely correct. (sighs) Yeah. Too fast. There we go. It's six all in the quiz. What happens if after 100 episodes we are joint and level? I will prepare a series of tiebreaker (laughs) questions. I think at the end we should do just an episode that is just a live game show and we should hook up proper buzzers. I think we should absolutely do that. Oh, I think that um, shouldn't be too hard to do, yeah. We'll put it on our uh, on our YouTube channel that we'll have by then. There we go. There we go. All level again. What have we been playing this week? I don't know what I've been playing this week. Go for it. <laughs> Tell us. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. I finally got round to playing a game that is about 10 years old, and it's one that Chris has nudged me to play uh, several times, probably in the last... 10 years, and I finally got around to playing Cave Story Plus on the Switch. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Yeah, uh, I had a really good time with it. Great sort of Metroidvania-style adventure. Pretty challenging. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's not an easy game. Very sparse save points. And the final boss, you have to beat four bosses in a row without saving. And that took me a good sort of dozen attempts to do. But yeah, I've beaten that. And so I have a little look online. I see there's quite a lot of weapons and hidden things that I didn't find which I didn't even know about so I'm going to play through the game probably again really good fun good game what have you guys been playing I've been playing a lot more Tetris 99 still any more victories Uh, no more victories no I'm still on two I I did play a game yesterday where I was down to the last two and the final battle lasted 10 minutes before I was knocked out Wow! so we we were very evenly matched and my heart rate was getting progressively faster as if I was uh, doing a full on treadmill sprint (laughs) I mean since then to try and break up the the Tetris obsession I started playing a game on the Switch called Titan Quest which is like a modern port of an old PC action RPG essentially like a a Diablo style thing and it seems alright but you know being essentially an hour into what is I believe quite a long game it's it's hard to really say too much Uh, and I'll probably end up playing Tetris more as opposed to making any progress in that anyway that's fair enough Minty speaking of Tetris so yeah um, forgive me if I sound ethereal and uh, (laughs) transcendent (laughs) I was all geared up to uh, talk about how I've been playing Tetris 99 alongside Mrs Minty I started playing Minesweeper Genius on your recommendation fantastic game I was also all geared up to talk about how um, emulating has changed my life and my bus journeys but (laughs) all of it pales in comparison because I've Literally 10 minutes ago, I just had my first experience of VR and Tetris Effect. And a singular experience. I'm flabbergasted. My heart is still racing. What (laughs) an incredible experience it was. It just just, transcended game, gaming. It was an experience. There's there's no other word for it. Mm. Utterly incredible. 
it gave me a, so much joy seeing you experience it, <laughs> I must say, because it's one thing even just seeing it being played on the TV, but I've never experienced such a profound gaming experience as I have with Tet- Tetris Effect. Yeah, and yeah. I must say it was very rewarding to see you have a similar sort of experience. I'm glad that it was my first VR experience and not you pushing me off a cliff in Skyrim like you did with our friend Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. He's terrified of heights and uh, he was playing with the move controllers and um, I just sort of had the actual playstation controller and i said oh have a look down have a look over the edge of that cliff and he was like oh my gosh and then i just just walked him off and uh, <laughs> he was upset about that for quite some time he probably he still is now um he, he will never go near vr again which is no. quite funny singular experience so moving on to the rankings this week starting with minty Minty, what is your 87th favourite video game? Carrying on my trademark in this podcast, it's another game that I've not completed or owned and probably will never own again because of the unique and extremely unrepurchasable nature of the console that it was on. Now, this game is in my top 100 because it's good, obviously, but also because it's uh, probably the game I've played the most with a friend ever. And certainly the one that I've probably enjoyed playing with a friend the most. Uh, The action is fast-paced, the controls are slick and precise, the level design is frantic and gorgeous, the soundtrack stands alone and augments not only your enjoyment of the game, but also the gameplay itself in particular levels. It's one of the best 2D platformers I've played, and it's only 87 because of how little I've played it, and the fact that it's on the list at all is testament to how fantastic that short time I played it with. Jonathan Dunn! It's Rayman Legends. Rayman Legends. Sometimes we play video games for sweeping storylines, vast open worlds, wonderful, fully fleshed out characters, um, the challenge, maybe one-upping friends who are playing it alongside you. And sometimes the real gaming experience (laughs) is the journey you go on together and the friends you make along the way just like in this game, uh, was a key part of me developing my friendship with you, Jonathan. And Aww. I think it's a key strength that only gaming has to the depth that it does. Oh, well, that's it's quite moving. Mm. A tear in your eye. I, just, I feel so much love at the moment. I could just dissolve into an iridescent bubble. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing about Tetris... <laughs> Yes, yes, Rayman, great. The thing about Tetris is... Uh... <laughs> what, what, what Minty's just said, that, that kind of warmth, that, that bubble, Tetris effects, like the whole theme of it feels like, I don't know, like the early 2000s futurism where everything was going to be positive. Yeah. And that feeling like it moves across the entire experience that you play it for. Like there's, there's nothing negative about it. E- even the levels that seem more menacing still then open out to kind of like a real celebration of... I don't know, like belief in people or connectedness or faith or whatever. Yeah. That is is kind of a catch-all for, for games, I think. It works really, really nicely. Absolutely. I mean, it's that sort of experience of transcending the, the media. That is ultimately why some games are in my top 100 yeah. above others that are technically better. But yes, I've played Rayman Legends twice. Once was on the Wii U with you. Mm-hmm. And the other was on the Switch on my own. And... Playing it on my own, it wouldn't be in the top 100. Right. But we may find out in the Junus, of course, oh. <laughs> whether the original experience is also in my top 100. Because 
it's one of those things you know you don't know you don't know what you've got till it's gone and i remembered having the most amazing time playing rayman i've always been a huge fan of the rayman series uh, the, the 2d ones anyway i didn't realize actually that 90 percent of my enjoyment of that game was coming from playing it cooperatively and how that was made and how that was built that was totally missing when you played on your own mm. uh, and i haven't experienced another game like that and couldn't have been done outside of the wii u i just i love couch co-op games i really do i mean i've always preferred co-op games over you know competitive games yeah i always get really anxious playing competitive games even if i know that i'm gonna win i mean i remember like when i realized that there were computer games that you could play cooperatively Mm. um, because that wasn't something that was really there because you know a lot of co-op play and a lot of online play had to be quite basic because of the limitations of the technology surrounding it in the in the 90s and early sort of noughties and when when i realized that yeah you could you could play through a game together working together and you had to work together Mm. that was really exciting and one of the best examples of that is my 87th favorite video game of all time oh seamless i know right which is a first person puzzle game which i played on the pc which is 2011's Portal 2. There we go. Hey. Which, remarkably, I remember seeing that it had a cooperative mode available, but I didn't have any friends that had it on Steam, and I only had it on Steam. So the first time I actually managed to play it cooperatively with somebody was with Minty. When well, we, of course it was. During we, that time, when, yeah. we, when we lived together, we played it on the Xbox. Yes, we did. We played through quite a lot of that cooperatively. The reason why it's in my top 100 is more to do with the single-player campaign that I had such a wonderful time playing. It was incredible. Yeah, I I mean, I remember when I saw the trailer for the first Portal game, it really blew my mind because it totally opened up an entire new way of thinking about puzzles and puzzle games. Yeah. The concept of portals, I was just like, that's genius. That's brilliant. I could see how much potential there was in it. And playing through Portal, it realized a lot of that potential. But I was so excited to see it realize its full potential in Portal 2, which was going to have a you know 30-hour single-player campaign, a proper story. Mm. And it really delivered. It really delivered, partly thanks to... I'd say it's, it's, I think it's possibly my favourite voice acting in a, in a video game. I could be wrong. Is it Stephen Merchant? It's Stephen Merchant, Stephen Merchant as yeah. Wheatley, the robot. But, but also the character of GLaDOS, who is just a phenomenally brilliant character. And the world was fully realised, very sort of subtly Im- imbued with very rich lore. Oh, it's... Um, <laughs> so you start the game and you're in the test chambers doing very similar sort of puzzles that you were doing in the first Portal game until something happens and then you end up breaking out of the lab and you are then, for lack of a better phrase, you're behind the scenes and you are escaping this, whatever this thing is that you're imprisoned in, being pursued by... GLaDOS. And when that sort of happened, it really felt like breaking the fourth wall, just bursting out. My imagination just uh, went into overdrive in what more possibilities could be sort of waiting for me. And again, they they really realised it. The the whole different coloured paint. Yeah, there was... What did they do? There was blue for bouncing. Mm. There was white for creating portal surfaces. Yes. And orange was... Speed. Uh, speed, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And that added a whole new element to it. It felt like, in the sort of the world, that 
mechanic wouldn't work in the test environment because why no, would it be there? Yep. But it worked once you've broken out of that because it had that sort of experimental feel to it and yeah. that rough sort of sewage type feel to it. Yeah. Again, whole new set of mechanics, which I'd never even thought of. It blew my mind. And Stephen Merchant's voice acting in that is phenomenal. He's so funny. I mean, I'm a huge fan of his anyway. And I didn't actually know that he was in the game until I started playing it mm. and had to look it up being like, I'm sure that's Stephen Merchant, but it, it can't be <laughs> because he's just, you know, the og monster from the office at that point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, his real name is Nathan. It's a good name. It's a good name. It was incredibly fun to play. It wasn't just mechanics and you go, oh, that's clever. And then it didn't have the polish to actually allow you to enjoy that fully. But being built on the Source engine, it was always going to control like a silky smooth first person shooter. Because it works so smoothly, I think it's easy to overlook how, how easy it could have been done wrong. With less fluid controls and a less sort of robust control system and engine, those mechanics would not work you know, in the way that you need them to work. You need them to work instantly. Huge achievement by the development team to, you know, get those mechanics working without anyone kind of even thinking about actually how well made the game was. It it was incredibly funny. It was incredibly well told. It was great fun to play. I think it's one that will stand the test of time as well. Oh, yeah. I've actually never played Portal 2. Fucking hell. I played the first Portal uh, as part of the Orange Box when that came out. Yeah. And I think I did that just like in an evening because it's only like a few hours, isn't it, the first Portal? Yeah. And really, really loved it. And then for some reason, when Portal 2 rolled around, it like it had a console release, so I could have played it at the time. I just never picked it up. And it's one of those ones that I've always wanted to to try out. Um, but I think after, after this recording session, I might... Do it. Purchase it oh, and, and give it a go. Please do. Um, because it's it's been in like the to play pile in my head for years and I've just never never made the time. And uh, I think this is the push I, I need. It's an incredibly rewarding experience. And I think there's a reason why there hasn't been a Portal 3. You know, as far as I'm concerned, that is the pinnacle. That's the best that that can be done. Yeah. But then I thought that about the first Portal game. And then they added new mechanics, new world, and made an even better game. But as we know, Valve are not ones to to rush any sort of release <laughs> especially when it comes to a third installment of anything no team fortress 3 no half-life 3 no portal 3 mm. no left for dead 3 no uh no and also don't don't valve make um dota yes no dota 3 yeah because dota 2 is still massive do you know what i think i think that they are deeply in denial of triangles because they're the illuminati <laughs> and they're trying to throw us off the scent by saying no we definitely don't like triangles because we never make three of anything we just do lines Ooh. or we could say that they make a game and then they release a sequel which iterates and revises so well that the third one is never necessary i mean that is also uh, true. they're just masters of their craft they really are chris on to you please can you tell us what your 87th favorite video game is my 87th favourite video game of all time is a game that was probably responsible for... It's like the genesis of the kind of procedurally generated action roguelike uh, that's been kind of popularised over the last, I don't know, five, almost ten years now. So we've had big releases like Barney of Isaac, Never heard uh, of Rogue Legacy, <laughs> Dead Cells, Downwell, even like Steam, Steam World Dig and stuff like that. They all have elements of that kind of genre. And this was probably, I think, the, the starting point for that. And it was the game Spelunky. Oh, 
Oh, Spelunky. Lovely. Mm. You know what? When I was playing Cave Story, I when I was thinking about talking about it and I was going to say that you'd been telling me to play it, I did wonder whether or not I'd got that confused and you'd just been telling me to play Spelunky. Because in my mind, they're the same game. Mm. <laughs> I think I've mentioned both, but they're both good. Yeah. So yeah, Spelunky, I, I didn't play it until it was on the Xbox 360. And that, that version was a remake of what was a freeware indie game from 2008 by a chap called Derek Yu. Derek me. <laughs> yeah, Derek you Jonathan O'Dunn but it's it's kind of it was already kind of uh, reasonably well received I think at the time uh, and then it just had this this kind of remaster remake that then was ported to other platforms and got much much bigger off the back of it being a bit more polished sure but it's 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 a great game that's essentially about systems and rules and how they interlock despite essentially just being a simple platform game at heart when you first start playing you know you, you have to master how high you jump how far you can fall without taking damage how far you know how much momentum you need to kind of leap across a gap or whatever and the simple stuff you'd always have to master in a platform game anyway but on top of that once you're familiar with that kind of movement you then start learning to manipulate the other tools you're given so you have bombs that can be used to kind of clear formations of rocks and dirt and whatever um you've got kind of little ropes that you can put out to safely lower yourself down in, into holes and caverns that you can't see what's actually there and you can pick up like little rocks and things and chuck them to either attack enemies or use them to set off booby traps and things like that as you kind of get more familiar with all this it expands your movement enough that you start to approach every stage as kind of its own little puzzle like a sort of spatial puzzle and you you find yourself making split second decisions based on the little kind of audio or visual cues you get until you can eventually get to the point where you can beat any stage as long as you approach it like sensibly and with caution what stands out about this, I think, above a lot of the other examples I mentioned and, and some other kind of lesser lesser known ones, is that the level design feels really fantastic despite being generated on the fly each time you play. Mm. And what it does really well is it it builds its stages, I think I read at some stage, from essentially like hand-designed little chunks that are then put together in, in a full kind of stage layout. So every map still feels like it's different and you haven't played it before yet still has an element of curation to it. So it feels like it has, you know, had someone's hand on it rather than just sort of pumping it out machine style. Certain games that rely on kind of design by numbers in that way sometimes feel a bit cold or uninteresting or stages feel unnatural because they, they haven't had any sort of input from someone to say, no, that wouldn't be there or that, that couldn't go next to that. But Splunky works really well that it never kind of feels like that. They, they always feel quite organic, even though they have been generated essentially by lines of code. It's a game, like I mentioned, it's really good fun in co-op. Uh, you can play it, I think, possibly with four people, but I, I only ever played with two. But I didn't really get into it properly until I started playing on the Vita. And I think this genre just lends itself quite well to sort of handheld play. I don't think Splunky ever got a port to the Switch, the original. But it would do very well, I'm sure, because it's something you can just pick up, be playing in two seconds, have a run that takes 20 minutes and then just move on to something else. When I saw Minty playing The Binding of Isaac, I thought, actually, that strikes me as being a really good handheld game. And I, the only reason I finally got it was uh, when it was released on the 3DS and then, yeah, getting it on, uh, on the Switch. There is a Spelunky 2 that I think is in production at the moment. It was announced about a year ago, but no, no one's really heard much since then. But in the same way we just talked about kind of Valve iterating on games to the point where they can't really do much more with, you know, the, the formats they're using. I don't know what else can be added or changed to kind of iterate or improve Spelunky because it's a very pure experience. It's a game where, you know, all these different systems that are in play in terms of how enemies work, in terms of how like non-player characters work, in terms of how your movement interacts with the stages themselves, 
they all overlap to the point where they would have been play tested endlessly. Like everything is balanced really, really well. And I'm not really convinced that a follow up wouldn't just kind of obfuscate what makes the original work so well. So that wraps it up for another week. Another trio of games. Firstly, we had Tetris of Rayman Legends. Then we had Tet- uh, Portal 2. Uh, and then Spatetris. Lunky. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do give us a five star rating. Subscribe or like it. Mm. Tell your friends. You can now find us on Facebook. We have our own Facebook page, R3Cents. And if you want to reach out to us individually, you can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. You can challenge my terrible opinions at Minty Booth. Massive thanks, as always, to the Double Down Podcast Network for hosting us. And please do join us next week for our number 86s. Hmm. Tetris. <laughs> <laughs>